Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. I got to change the description because the Lakerholics, who wanted to go on at 10, then said 11, then said, you know what? We'll just come back on another day. We're going to have to change that. But it is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Weekend. Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate everyone out there catching all of our great shows, including the Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts and inside sports, fantasy football, and game source. Truly appreciate everyone out there catching everything that we do. Don't forget the Lakerholics.com. If you want to talk smack to them right now, that's the best place to do it because they didn't show up today. Laker Tom says he's going on tomorrow. So go ahead and, you know, if you want to go ahead and vent your frustrations at him sooner, Lakerholics.com. Plus our good friends, Empire Jeff TV, Lakers and Five, Larry Lakers Dribbling Chit Chat, uh, Lakers Corner also as well. Of course, the John McCallion channel, wishing him well. And of course, go ahead as well, Daniel Berry Sports Highlights. Please go ahead and support all those channels and support ours as well. In the meantime, right here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast but it is gerald glassford good morning everyone or afternoon or wherever you're at around the world going ahead and checking this out truly appreciate it doobie says he's at work but he'll take a break just to tell the world how much coach and pocket sucks (laughs) doobie you kill me man uh our crowd our audience is uh there's none better no better conversation out there than what the conversation is at the lakers fast break i know we have our trolls i know we have our rodells i know we have our toms from sacramento the guy who loves to let us know about every lakers loss even though he's on the you know he supports a team that you know doesn't have much to speak of in its own right but that's okay you know we've got the best community that's out there it is the Lakers fast break. Thank you for the kind words, Sean. Truly appreciate it. It is, of course, Gerald Glassford. Thanks again for listening. But also here today is a good man indeed. He is the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic uh, to let me know how much he does not like Talk Studio and Stream Labs. 
It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. And Sean, great to have you here. And to answer your first question, I had you on the closed captioning during your <laughs> So nobody at the table or nobody when I was going to the Bellagio uh, knew that it was going on. I just had you right there in my pocket, pulled it out. You know, every made a comment every now and then. And then I saw that and I'm like, yep. Yep, yeah, you're you're exactly right, Magic Man. I am deserving of all the tirade and frustration that I can get, man. No not worries. at all, not at all, Podfather. Uh, you know, it's it's been. Uh, it's I been... kept it in audio because it was amusing. I, uh, I will say at the very end, especially I know the when... audience was very amused, and so were so were the fellow panelists as well. I yes. I was upset. I'm not. Not going to lie. Every reason to be, my friend. No worries. And it had absolutely nothing to do with our pod father. Um, it had nothing to do with you, Jill. I owe you a public apology. And I apologize to, first of all, my friend. And secondly, the man responsible for this community. And that ire shouldn't have been directed at you. It was directed at Streamlabs. Um, because they have just let us down time and time again after Gerald has worked so hard, diligently, and has been on their case. Yep. And they just keep giving us the old circle around. You know what I mean, everybody. Yes. And uh, that had nothing to do with Gerald. And um, Gerald, I'm sure, I'm sure you were laughing at uh, at my uh, at, uh, at laughing at my was, outburst because no laughing was not I'm not I, to be honest with you I was not laughing when I was uh, reading on the closed captioning when I actually listened to the uh, uh, your your rant on you know actually I have to edit it out uh, not I had to edit not, I didn't edit that part out but I said I had to edit the show because uh, there was a couple s bombs I wanted to go ahead and beep anyway so I listened to the entire show back. And uh, yeah, it's it was well, you know, it's warranted. It's warranted, and uh, you know what? Again, we'll move to Streamyard, and uh, you know it, that better be the deal. And uh, if it's not, I will, you know, just cry afoul of the internet gods, and we'll move on from there. But we'll try to try to make the best of it here at the Lakers fast break, just like I'm hoping the Lakers will, because this time last year the Lakers were 19 and 21. Hey, what do you know? A year later, flash forward. Nineteen and twenty-one. Uh, I know Magic Man. You keep saying one and four in the last five. It's actually uh, two and three. They're two and six. Two and four. Excuse me. In their last, in their six games so far this season. Uh, just to let you know on that one. But um, I do know that's not a record to be proud of either. Which way? One or four? Two and four? Doesn't really matter. But be that as it may, the Lakers are nineteen and twenty-one. Uh, I want to ask you, are they better off this time this year or this time last year when it comes to what their stance is this time around? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, pardon me. Yeah, I was looking at the previous four out of five, but we did tack a win in there. So whoopee. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I stand corrected. Jill. Yeah, I know you said it twice and then you said it to Rodell and the, and the yeah. to Rodell. And I'm like, it's two and four, but you know, fair that's enough. Not, that, that's nothing to brag. Yeah, that's nothing to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with all the uh, 
that whirlwind going on, you know, whoopee if I missed a, missed a win in there. It hasn't been good. Um, I, I guess you could call it somewhat of a groundhog year, Gerald. That being said, I mean, last year was was a completely different kettle of fish. We were two and two and ten, and so if you were nineteen and twenty one after forty games last year, that means you you went on a seventeen and eleven stretch. I mean, you know, that's kind of had Russell Westbrook at that time. Yes, exactly. I would I would say we're in a more disadvantageous position this year than we were last year for a couple of reasons. One, essentially, you still have the core of what was left of that group after the All-Star break last year. And this group has continued on with the same subpar mediocrity that the previous group last year um, played with. Secondly, it appears to me and it appears to you and pretty much anyone with half a brain watching this team that <clears throat> there is no continuity whatsoever. None. And from whatever was working last year, there were several reasons why they, they found success in the playoffs. For one, in that Memphis series, uh, Rui Hashimura uh, was uh, uh completely was on fire from three-point land. Okay, so that needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, Taylor Jenkins and that staff dared Rui to beat them, and he did. He did. And that bode well for us in that first round. Uh, secondly, Jared Vanderbilt's defense was not only very good, um, he was able to effectively try and be uh, a non-negative on offense rather than a positive. This year, his defense has taken a huge step backwards, and his offense is beyond the pale of abysmal. Um, you, you know... Uh, I think he has in total less than a hundred points on the season, which is kind of, it's hard to imagine uh, a team like the Los Angeles Lakers playing a player who is a, a negative offensively, but oh, he had a three last night though. Hmm. Yeah, his his uh, I guess his average, I think his shooting percentage goes up to like nine percent now or something like that. That's atrocious. <laughs> Very bad. Um, secondly, Gerald. Uh, thirdly, excuse me. <clears throat> so of our core group, there were everybody had a defined role, and those roles have, for whatever reason, changed. Um, Jared Vanderbilt was played off the court the further the Lakers got into the playoffs. The further that Golden State series went, the more he was played off the court. And Mike Malone and Nikola Jokic, and uh, um, I have to give credit to uh, David Adelman, who completely schemed him and D'Angelo Russell uh, on the bench. Um, 
Darvin Ham has not seemingly learned from his mistakes from last year, Gerald. Um, he has decided that D'Lo and Rui, who, by the way, shout out to Henry last night for pointing out that. Yes, big shout out to Henry for being on last night's show. Truly appreciate that. Absolutely. And he, he made a significant uh, point when he said that Rui and D'Lo are your top two plus minus players on this roster. Now, we, we all know you take plus minus with a grain of salt. That being said, for D'Lo to have the problems he has defensively and still yet find himself as a positive for the Lakers, um, it's demonstrative of just how unsure of himself Darvin Ham is because my pet peeve, and I'm flummoxed by this, is he's willing to give Cam Reddish uh, a long, long look and willing to let him make mistakes, yet he will not give that same latitude to Rui Hashimura. If you're not going to play Rui effectively and for more than, say, 25 minutes, and you're going to give the bulk of those minutes to Torian Prince, then I think it would behoove the Lakers and Rui Hashimura to move on. To well, the thing ways. is with, with, with Cam Reddish, it's so funny because the last two games, he's not even played in the second half because of left knee soreness. So that tells me that there's a problem there. Why are you even putting him out there if you know he can only give you one half? Yes. Uh, yes. Great question, Gerald. Uh, and you're, you're willing to sacrifice Rui being on a heater uh, because he was playing very well in the 19 minutes he played uh, for Skylar Mays, because Darvin Ham uh, is is just a simple, simple man on the court. He will play three guards, despite the fact that all the data, all the eye tests, Gerald, tell him it is bad coaching. You have suggested, Darvin Ham, that the reason why your your predilection for a three-guard lineup is because you feel that it increases the amount of possessions, and you equate the increase in the amount of possessions to pace. Well, Gerald, we have a terrible pace. We do. Our pace is awful. We are ter- We are not the transition and fast-break team we were last year. We are the bottom feeders in terms of second chance points. And we lack a definitive offensive identity. It feels that at times it's either three on five or two on five, depending on the kind of players you have around LeBron and AD. And to add to, add to the matrix of all this, Gerald, AD shot poorly last night. He did, but his defense was sound. He had 10 assists, yet nobody else was able to step up. So, yeah, well, D'Angelo played well 39 points, 39 points, but you need that third guy, Gerald, 
You yeah. need that third guy somewhere, some way. Austin shot well, but had it last enough. year. Yeah, Austin shot when, well, but not enough. And then, uh, of course, like you said, AD 5 of 21. The worst possible time he could have a bad game. And he did have a bad game. He did. He did. And la- last year, we were we were able to, to kind of skirt by a lot of these issues because LeBron and AD, for the most part, were consistent in the playoffs. Uh, Sands a, a couple games. But you did have that, you did have that third option last year. Either it was Rui in the Memphis series at times, or it was D'Angelo. And then in the Golden State series, it was either D'Angelo or Austin. And that that was washed away. It was circling the drain time when it came to that Nugget series. And it's rolled over to this year because there there is not a consistent third option with this team. No. And we need it desperately when one or or two of those guys are struggling, and LeBron is struggling right now. Um, AD struggling in a game on the road on a back to when Utah's on a back to back shouldn't be an issue. Like the, the Lakers were rested, they had their legs, and they were just run out of the barn in that second half. And it pretty typifies. And they just had a parade to the free throw line. and 39 free throws. 39 free throws. The things that the Lakers are supposed to be doing, defense, free throws, more than your opponent, and transition. And they didn't get it done. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. I do want to mention to Z, though, if she listens to this, uh, that you're incorrect. Last night, you made a comment about how you ham threw out a four-guard lineup out there. I don't consider Prince a guard. If you consider Prince a guard, you, you're just kidding yourself. I understand that sometimes he guards guards on his uh, on his defensive assignments, but the guy ceased to be a guard many years ago in the league. He's a small forward slash very minimal excuse for a power forward at best at this point in time. So, yeah. And, and thing is though, the reliance on Prince has also come into question. Uh, you know, you've talked about the stats where Prince is not effective after 25 minutes a game or thereabouts. If he plays more, you get less residual factors out of it. You just less residual results. I think it's at this point in time, even though Austin is probably better suited coming off the bench, I think you just go with what brought you to the dance and Austin, D'Lo, Rui, uh, AD and LeBron and just go from there. And if they can't get it done, you know, then uh, I agree with some of the people out there that are saying wholesale changes do need to be made. A hundred percent, Gerald. And again, it's he, um, Darvin Ham is a poor tactical coach. Uh, it, he 
without being condescending or pretentious, which is hard for him to do with fans. Um, he's very disrespectful towards us as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I would challenge him. Why, what possessed you to believe that when you put Torian Prince on Laurie Markkinen, he wasn't going to get his eat? Lunchy. Doobie, he's not a two guard. He is too big. Uh, he is he's he's too he's not a two guard. He's, he's not bo- fast he's too enough. bulky to be a two. He's too he's bulky. not he's not quick enough. He he's not. You've seen anytime they've tried to match up against two guards, it's a losing proposition. He's a small forward, tweener forward at best. And and yeah, that's he's not a guard. Absolutely I, not. I, guard. I Gerald, I would have I would have lived with Rui. With all due respect, Doobie. Yeah, and Ham is bad and we hate ham and wins and losses. Well, yeah. I, it, it, well, it, it just, it just goes to show Gerald the diff, the difference in intact T A C T tact between Will Hardy and Darvin Ham. Um, Will Hardy, Alan, that's it right there. The line, the line of the day, right there. Prince is that's... a three that can't guard threes. Alan's yes. right. Yes. Alan's correct. Yes, that, uh, we we've all said that. <laughs> it's it's very true, and he's and he's a four who shouldn't guard threes, but yet he's whatever. That so Gerald the tact between Hardy and Ham. So Laurie Markkinen wasn't really effective from beyond the arc last night, but he didn't have to be because when they when Will Hardy saw Torian Prince on him, his eyes must have just dilated like juju bees and they put Lori Markinen in the mid post or uh off the baseline and he was able to just live at the free throw line 11 three throws for Lori Markinen Gerald now Lori has improved greatly as a player he's very very good but he is not the kind of player who kind of has the ref's attention so to speak as far as getting to the line I mean, he has that skill, but 11 three, giving up 11 free throws to Laurie Markkinen is a lot, and it's an indictment on the lack of tact and adjustments by Ham. It was, it was absolutely awful. And by the way, Gerald, if you look at the actual numbers, look at the, look at the amount of free throws Utah got in the second half. I believe it was tw- 24 mm-hmm. or 28, excuse me. So... They were able to just adjust and kill us. And Darvin Ham was not willing or unable, again, to make the adjustments. And I will point to the point again to the game within the game that coaches have. And that's where the games are usually won and lost. And he is not very good at challenging other coaches and their adjustments unless you're in a playoff series. He only has to pay attention to one team for an inordinate amount of time. And he has the film, the scouts, and his assistant coaches to lean on. Game to game, the NBA, you have to be able to withstand um, the test in an 82-game season. You can't live off your success in the playoffs, especially considering the fact that now we're 11th. Three we- four weeks ago, the Utah Jazz were 13th, and the Los Angeles Lakers were 4th, Gerald. Now, Utah has won 13 of 17 games. They're surging. 
and the Lakers are leaking oil badly. Yep. And now Darren makes a good point. And once again, it is the Lakers fast break. Truly appreciate you joining us. It is Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks for listening. He says, Darren says LeBron does not get a pass because he's 39. Play less than. And that's something we've gone back and forth on Rodell uh, time and time again. Uh, Lakers fast break at yahoo.com is... Uh, Rodell has abundantly uh, says that we're soft on LeBron. Uh, LeBron uh, doesn't get enough criticism from us. Uh, all I say is, okay, you have a 39-year-old player that's averaging 24-7-7. And, and you have to understand he doesn't give you what he needs to give you like he used to. This team needs a 29-year-old LeBron. It doesn't need it, – it, it can't function as well with a 39-year-old LeBron. And I think that's the problem we need to come to grips with is that this team is built for a 29-year-old LeBron with the players around them, and unfortunately, they don't get it. Or even a 35-year-old LeBron. It's just this is a different LeBron now. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to tell you reality. And the thing is, the reality is he is just not able to give you 48 minutes a game like he once did. Now you're asking him to play 35, 38 minutes a game. The thing is that that minutes restriction that you tried out for one game, that blew up out of the water. Ham looks like an idiot because he just, you know, for even mentioning it in the first place and not trying to go ahead and and temper it from there. It looks like, you know, this team, when LeBron's off the floor, looks like a mess. When he's on the floor, looks like a mess. Right now, my friend, it's just not a good situation. I think, again, when it all comes down to it, that this team has to have a LeBron that, unfortunately, I don't think he can give you all that much anymore. Uh, no, Gerald. That that point is taken. Um, I'm not and... making excuses for LeBron. I'm just It's just the reality. It's just the well, reality of who he is. Rodell says it's making excuses. Rodell says it's uh, us being soft. I don't think it. It's just the reality. And you should be thankful that we get 24, 7, and 7 out of a guy that's 39 years old. How many 39-year-old guys, Sean, actually get 24, 7, and 7? None. Yet we constantly are saying, oh, it's all LeBron's fault, all LeBron's fault. Oh, you guys are soft. You guys are soft. You just can't win when it comes to LeBron. It's absolutely, you just can't win. He has not played up to everyone's expectations. I get that. But then again, the expectations for a 39-year-old player should be a little bit different. I think that's the reality that I think a lot of people and a lot of Lakers fans have to come to grips with, Sean. Yeah, Gerald, 100%. Because, you know, LeBron LeBron is also the one who deferred the responsibilities of being the man to AD. And you know what? If people want to have uh, a conversation about that, this Lakers team should have been built around AD strengths, not LeBron's, if that's the case. And, you know, again, people call him the GM. Well, it's not up to him to make those decisions. He deferred to AD. He's the one who said this is AD's team. He said it. He said it. Not us, not Rodell, not Darren. Not anybody else. He's the one who said it. It's AD's team. And it's reflective of the lack of awareness by Rob Polinka and Darvin Ham. 
it's it just is and <clears throat> you know what sometimes greats hit a wall it happens Peyton Manning woke up one day Gerald and he couldn't throw the ball and he was watching Brock Osweiler take his spot and obviously that must have just killed him inside Peyton's Obviously, don't need to tell you, Joe, one of the most competitive athletes that's ever played sports. Um, Alexander Ovechkin, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, has basically been reduced to staying on a power play for two minutes and trying to get open for a shot or leaning on empty net goals now to try and catch Wayne Gretzky. He's lost. He's lost the it factor as well. Now, it is what it is. We've talked about it, and we've talked about it sparingly. Maybe people just don't want to pay attention. That's why I told Rodell, sometimes people only hear what they want to hear, only see what they want to see, and they just decide that their truth is the truth. Um, and he's not the only one. Wink, wink. Um, the fact of the matter is, Gerald, we talked about it. LeBron's defense is almost non-existent. Um, he yep. can, he can gin up the energy as Gerald has said, once in a while, he gets that, he gets the blood flowing and he feels like he's, he's that 27 year old defensive player of the year candidate. But that's only for a couple possessions. That's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. That's for like at most like five possessions a game. Yeah. Or if somebody um, talks smack to him, they get yeah, his ire up exactly. or, get, or the refs, the refs, the refs are the biggest thing for him when he doesn't get a call on one end. He gets pissed off. And that's and when you see that young LeBron for like all that, that possession, like gets in the face, then he gets a steal, then he'll get a slam. And everybody's like, yeah, it's old LeBron. And then, yeah, it's, it becomes old LeBron once again. right? And we're, we're, we're at a deficit when he does that, Gerald, because yeah. he decides that, uh, you know, the Lakers are better off playing four on five defensively while yeah. he's bitching, bitching to Sean Corbin or Ed Malloy. Or, or Zach Zorba, or Tony Brothers, or whoever he feels, like Gerald was saying, that he can get up in their face and decide that, you know what, I've had enough of you. And Gerald, he's reduced his drive significantly. So again, we know he's not the same player he once was. He's still averaging almost 25-7-7 and seven on the over 50% shooting. is built around a player who has to play at the level LeBron did during the 2019-2020 season, like he did 10 years ago. That's who the Lakers have this built around. I mean, they could tell you all the way till Timbuktu about AD, they want to build this team around, blah, 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 blah. We all know who they built this team around. Its team was built around LeBron, but it was built around a LeBron that could still give you what he was ex once expected to give you. That is no longer the case. And the problem is this team is not prepared for it. It is not able to go ahead and handle it and does not have the pieces around them that are consistent on a two-way basis in order to do so. That's the problem. And, and Ham... You know, he is that other piece of the puzzle and all this. It's just a layer of ineptitude. And one of the layers of ineptitude is Ham in the farthest way is not only is he not able to find a good mesh or good balance between those the two sides as far as offensive and defense that a lineup 
that he's been able to he's not been able to to recreate outside of the IST. He's also been able to just his his game management, his X's and O's, even his motivation, you do not see at the level of other coaches. And he is getting out coached and worked in third and fourth quarters more and more often. And it's pretty frustrating. He got worked by Will Hardy last night. What did Taylor Jenkins do when he threw the zone at him? I mean, Eric Spolestra threw a zone for 40 possessions at him and blew him away and couldn't, he could not, you know, figure out or decipher this zone for his players. So, I mean, it just seems like we're getting the short end of the stick on all these different aspects, a older LeBron that just can't give you what you, what he wants to give you a team that does not have a good balance of two-way players or players that can give you a balance on both ends of the floor and then you have a general manager who's actually just basing all everything off of what he once did during a trade deadline and seeing if he can do that again. Uh, absolutely, Gerald, because, you know, when Austin fouled out, Darvin Ham relied on Skylar Mays. Now, Skylar Mays was a minus five in that time period. Um, yeah. I I just I disagree with Zingerstein. I don't think Skylar Mays is a good defender. I don't. And well, there's a reason why he's still bouncing around in the NBA. There's a reason why Cam Reddish was bouncing around in the NBA. There's a reason why Austin Reeves went undrafted. There are reasons why the Lakers have assembled the team that they have, and and people have to understand that. But you have to try and figure out the strengths of each player and try to develop them to lessen their weaknesses. And that's they just don't do that. The Lakers just don't do that and Skylar Mays he, I mean he played well in garbage time the other day and you see so wanted to give the kids some confidence I get that but playing him when they played him you do this in the second quarter and you see what you got you don't do this in the third or fourth quarter you don't do that for a kid like that you you give him the the key to success okay you want to play go ahead and and you played well let's start you at the end of the first quarter or put you on in the, at the beginning of the second quarter and see if you play well from there and then you decide whether or not you want to put him in there but they didn't they didn't they just put him in there like you said when they foul, started fouling out or they started the major fouls they put him out there and and set the kid up to fail they did, he did specifically drilled and not only that if you if you look at the 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 analysis from the second half, Utah got eight offensive boards off 31 free throw attempts. They they decided, Gerald, and I think Will Hardy made this decision early, probably around the, probably around the start of the second quarter. We're just throw up shots and crash the boards because we're gonna grind AD down to a nub and see if he's see if he gets gassed out because. They threw different looks at him. They threw Lori Markinen at him. They also threw Walker Kessler at him. And it worked. It worked, Gerald, because by the end, AD was gassed. And it's it's these small tactical uh moves that we've we've talked about that basically for it's a foreshadowing basically of why Darvin Ham can't make adjustments in game or he's unwilling to try something different. I mean, we, we talked about it last night. Um, during the 
1920 season, Vogel, more so than any other coach that year, understood his personnel. And he understood the personnel he was playing against as well. Take the the Trailblazers series, for example. He used a lot of blitzing and hedging um, because of Dame Lillard and Portland's ability to shoot it from beyond the arc. Now, flash forward to the Houston series, and it was a lot. It was a lot of drops, or it was a lot of scrams, based on the fact that you know, Harden, Harden, and Russ were were basically the the two man uh, duo there. Um, moving forward, he used a lot of blitzing, hedging, and drop against the Heat. So Vogel was able to implement several different defensive schemes depending on matchups and depending on the the areas of the floor combined with the tenor of the game. Like, was it a slow pace? Was it fast? What are we doing here? It's the game within the game that matters, and that's where Vogel is a, it's like far and away a much better coach than Darvin Ham because – Ham will not adjust at all, Gerald. Um, I'll say I'll say it again. We're we're forty games into this season. I have not seen that the Lakers utilize the scram defensive uh, scheme once, and I'm not sure why. Because you you've you've had times where drop coverage will not work, and I I pointed this out last night. I'll point it out again. Only the Washington Wizards and Detroit Pistons give up more wide open threes than the Los Angeles Lakers. And at times they also utilize drop coverage, but that's more out of necessity because they don't have requisite defenders to, uh, to, um, to try anything else. Ham does AD AD is a, probably his generation's best defender. Uh, Reddish is all right. You know, Bando can be decent. That being said, it, it's more important for him to play drop coverage than to actually adjust because that's all he knows. And I don't need to be, uh, I don't need to be condescended to by you know analysts, um, people on uh, people on spectrum who will you know at every point in term defend defend his. Uh, his decision making. I mean, like I said last night, I I almost want to put his face on Oprah's with that meme. Drop coverage, drop coverage, drop coverage, drop coverage. It it it's his it's his go to, and he's really bad at it because, I mean, you see Torian Prince, who at times Gerald, I think he wants to contest trees. He really does, but it's almost as if Darvin Ham is professing let them shoot wide open threes let them shoot wide open threes i mean you can if you want to live with that kind of like live the the old idea you know uh um the mean always ends up at the end right so if a team is shooting 40 percent for the season or what have you darvin ham would think okay well, we could just live with that i mean they may shoot 60 percent in the first quarter but you know, overall, they'll, they'll, they'll go back to 40% for the game. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, each circumstance, each game presents its 
its own different set of challenges and you have to be able to adjust or at least be self-critical. And that's, that's the other issue at hand here, Gerald. I mean, Luke Walton, say what you want about him. At least Luke was willing to be self-critical about his coaching. He really was. He really was. He wasn't, he wasn't making excuses for, for, you know, some tactical errors or some rotational uh, misses that he made, he would always say, yep, that, that's on me. That's on me. Luke Walton, that's on me. You know, and good for Luke because that's what a leader should do. And Frank Vogel, for his part, Gerald, wouldn't wouldn't make excuses. He wouldn't. He didn't blame Jason Kidd or Lionel Hollins for why a scheme didn't work. He just decided that he was going to take accountability for this. Darvin Ham blames everybody and everything else under the sun except himself, his assistant coaches, injuries, uh, for God's sakes, um, you know, the the, the, vet, the hot dog vendor forgot to put mustard ketchup on his hot uh, dog the thing before is, the his game. His latest excuse was the assistant coaches. When people talked, uh, I guess reporters were asking him about challenging some calls, you know, because of, there's so many fouls in that second half. And he challenged none of them. He said he puts that weight on the assistant coaches. Like he does not have two eyes and can see himself. What is he doing? He's not communicating with the players. He's not talking to the coaches. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there with his hands in his pockets. So I don't know why he is not making more definitive decisions, whether it's timeouts, whether it's challenges. He's putting the blame on everybody else except himself. AD goes out last night, and you know what? He goes out and he calls it. He said, you know what? This game's on me. I shot 5 for 21. It's my bad. My fault. It's on me. You know what? He's done that more than once this season, and I'm really uh, I'm really respecting him for at least doing that because I know LeBron gets a lot of, uh, you know, flat, you know, feedback as far as his passive aggressive nature etc cetera, etc cetera, and it's warranted but it, you know what is. ad he says it if he sucks he sucks so last night he didn't get a job done on the offensive end and he called it and i appreciate him for at least saying that unlike 100%, him 100 percent, gerald and as we as we could see here this is a perfect example who do you see in the paint gerald who's guarding the paint for the los angeles lakers in this possession uh, I could see AD if I'm not mistaken. No, and then... AD, AD, AD is off to the wing right here. That is oh, one. Oh, because I thought he was talking about yeah. the key. Yeah. That was one D'Angelo Russell. Why the hell do you have D'Angelo Russell guarding the paint? And guess who scored on that possession, Gerald? Keontae George found Laurie Markinen for an for an easy, easy bucket because okay. all he had to do was lift up his hand over D'Angelo Russell. Well, you had Sexton scoring a ton. You had Keontae George scoring a a lot. And then you had uh, Clarkson scoring a lot. I mean, of course, great that the uh, Austin and D'Lo, they scored their share, but they gave it up and then some because of the hams, you know, because of ham schemes on the other end. Yeah. I mean, like if I was, if I was an assistant or a player, I'd be, I'd be screaming AD, Key, key, back, back. Like, you have to be screaming that because you can't leave D'Angelo Russell. You can't leave D'Angelo Russell in the paint at any point in time. 
if it's a, if it's if it's a switch mode and that's happened, okay, I can live with that. Everybody can live with that. But that was that wasn't a switch. That was a set where he told AD to run up onto the wing and and D D'Lo was back into the paint. That is horrible coaching. Terrible scheme. And you should know better if you're an assistant with him. But the fact is, you don't you don't have the chutzpah to tap him on the shoulder and say, Darwin, come on, man. Again, th- this is like the third time in the past two games, Gerald, where I've I've seen what I've seen and I'm just I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. And you know, he he keeps on doing this and blaming and blaming his assistant coaches, blaming injuries, blaming a lack of cohesion. It is an awful, awful example of leadership. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it is the Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this thing. This is normally the Lakerholics spotlight, but you know what? The Lakerholics couldn't make it today, so we're here for you right here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is Gerald Glassford and Sean Grice. Thanks so much again for watching this thing. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Big shout out to Nina for sharing this video. Truly appreciate your kindness in doing so. Cannot thank you enough for your support and also everyone out there on Facebook and YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, everywhere that you're out there. Truly appreciate it. Keenan, I know we give a shout out to you as well. Truly appreciate it on Facebook and then all the great people that we've got on YouTube. Please search. Stay safe. I know that you've got a ton of snow over there, so please stay safe, my friend. But Magic Man, uh, when it comes to what we're seeing with this Laker team again, halfway point, almost upon it, almost 40 games in uh, 19 and 21 last year, 19 and 21 this year. Yet I sense the frustrations a little bit more this time around last year, around this time, the Lakers had had a road trip right around the beginning of the year and had done very well. So people started to have a little bit more optimism. Uh, even though Russell Westbrook was still Russell Westbrook. But that situation would eventually resolve itself, But even though we were thinking that that was going to be at the time. But I think this time around is the fact that you have less assets as far as that one big asset that you can trade with. You don't have that. You have to go ahead and compile a potpourri of things in order to go ahead and trade. Like for instance, you know, if you want a DeJounte Murray or a Zach Levine, who uh, I spoke to Andrew, I was vehemently against last week. He, ha- I will give him credit since he's come back. He has shot the ball better. 
and played better and scored better. Now his defense still sucks, but he has shot the ball a lot better since people only care about seemingly a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people seemingly only care about one side of the ball. He has been scoring and been shooting better since he came back from injury. But be that as it may, in order to get these guys on our team, we have to unload a plethora of assets. So the Ruiz, the, the I guess, Delos, even the Austin Reeves all have to be considered because you have to package a lot of these players in order to go ahead and meet these salaries. Your thoughts, my friend, this is going to be a harder job than last year for Rob in the fact that you, you don't have as many, and you don't have as many first round picks this time around either. So if that's the case, the work is a lot harder for Rob this time around. You're right, Gerald. It is. It's much harder. He has uh, less of a war chest than he had last year. Um, and like you said, the the cupboard the cupboards are pretty bare as far as you know what other teams would be interested in. Um, I, I forget who was reporting this. Trying to remember. Anyway. The point, the point was that when teams aren't calling the Lakers for trades, they're, they're not interested in dealing with the Lakers for trades. And the report also intimated that when the Lakers do call about trades, it is often uh, Austin Reeves is the first name that is trying to be bargained for by other teams in order to facilitate a Lakers trade. Now, of all the players that have been mentioned, Tyus Jones, Zach Levine, uh, Dejounte Murray, I honestly think that given given the overall personnel and our lack of versatility, shall we say? I mean, we have very one either one dimensional offensive players or one dimensional defensive players, and the combination of playing them together has kind of led to this it's almost as if rob now has to decide whether he wants to rearrange the deck chairs on the titanic or if you want to just um hit eject i i think those are really the only two options at this point um it, it, we could go deep diving on on the murray thing the, the fact of the matter is is that although Optically, it looks as though Austin Reeves has been just killed this year in isolation. By the way, he's he's one of the worst isolation defenders in the NBA. That being said, he is he has been targeted an absurdly high amount, Gerald. And part of that has to do with the fact that he has a coach who is unwilling to try and scheme or can't scheme him out of those some of those situations. I mean, if you look at, if you just parse it all down, as far as individual defense goes, Gerald, DeJounte Murray only only has an effective field goal percentage 1% better than Austin Reeves as a defender. So it's not as if Murray is just this this um case of oh yeah, he's going to improve your defense significantly. Not really. Not really. He's uh, marginal, just small, yes. better defensive player 
than Austin Reeves. So that's not going to move the needle at all. Not to mention the fact Austin is a much better, well-rounded offensive player than DeJounte Murray is. Although this year, Gerald, we've seen free throw, free throw rate down for Austin. Assist percentage down. Um, so it's been a combination of, of some regression and just some out-and-out, just bizarre decision-making that has led us to this point in time where, I mean, I think those are the only two options. You rearrange the deck chairs or you hit eject. The thing is, I, I would look into the, the – I, I mentioned this before most people did. I don't know if anybody else was mentioning it at the time, but before everybody hopped onto the DeJounte Murray train, I was the one who, on the show – put it out there and i'm not trying to pat myself on the back because again he doesn't fix all your problems uh, i think he is a better player than austin reeves or or uh delo uh i think he's a better overall player than those players but not by a leaps and bounds he is no. not uh, he may end up being a th number three guy for you but i don't know that i i, I what i've seen kind of leaves me you know kind of on the fence on that but the thing is if you could get him in a package deal and somehow work the numbers to get him clint capella who you do owe another year on but again he's a 610 center that might be able to get you a double double something that the lakers could use alongside ad i mean and clint some, capella, and some, yeah and Jared, clint capella is is a, clearly a 12 10 guy in about 22 to 28 minutes he's effective he and if effective. you could also add Bogdanovich on top of it, that would be the kicker for me. If you throw yes. if you throw all that in, you know, but the thing is, I don't know if the Lakers just have enough numbers for it. And I, I don't think that they do. Uh, that's the problem. They don't have that large salary. They don't have that $30 million salary like Golden State has dangling out there with Chris Paul that they can go ahead and do that's expiring that, they did last year and Russell Westbrook. So this year, this trade deadline will be harder for Rob Palenka to accomplish. And that's why the summer, what he did over the summer was so crucial for the ultimate success or lack of success that you see right now with this team. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, Gerald. Um, because one, one thing I'm sure of is even with his defensive flaws, D'Lo ain't the problem. Yeah. D'Lo's far from the. the it's an organizational problem. issue. It's an organizational time. issue. Yeah. He he is not the problem, and uh, people want to point to LeBron or point to D'Lo. Uh, there are myriad issues going on. It starts at the top on down. You know, crap rolls downhill. As and as the old saying goes, it's rolling and, downhill right yeah, now, it's man. It's rolling downhill. It's yeah, watch out for it, everyone. Watch oh, out. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like it's almost like dogma, Joe. We're almost dealing with the with a Laker Golgothan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. It's like a Laker Golgothan coming at us, and um, I mean, it was it, it's incompetence. I I think that word needs to be just spoken loud now Joe it's incompetence it's the uh, Rob and Jeannie were incompetent in h hiring this particular individual they've been in comp as Gerald stated 
They've been competent in the roster construction. This was a roster designed around a, a 29, 30-year-old LeBron, not a 39-year-old LeBron. And why they why they need to be hit over the head to finally realize that. Uh, and Darren, but Darren, you say Max is a stronger defender. I see him get toasted last night repeatedly. On yeah, defense. yeah. Okay. Max, when he he never puts it together. When he plays well on defense, he sucks on offense. When he plays well on offense, he gets roasted on defense. I don't know. You tell me on Max Christie. I'm at a loss. You know, Rodell is the biggest cheerleader for Rodell, for Max Christie out there. And the thing is, the kid has not put it together. But he's 21. He's 21. He'll have time. But the thing is, I just don't think he'll be able to do it with the Lakers. But right now, he just doesn't put it together on both ends consistently which is the reason why he doesn't play more. Austin is just, he's better offensively, but uh, you see the problems one-on-one. They put him out on an island, and there you go from there. It's just, it's not a good fit right now. The Lakers are just not a good fitting team. People have been able to, other teams have been able to find out these secrets as far as whatever they need to do to throw out the Lakers. The Lakers are just a clunky fit. Uh, It worked. And it clicked for a while in the playoffs and it worked and it clicked in the IST. But we see the bigger picture here. The bigger picture has shown us that it's just not clicking. And the problem is, though, the the assets the Lakers have are not as abundant as they were this time last year. So it will be even harder for Rob to piece all this together. So we'll see. Again, uh, there are no simple answers now. There is no magical person on that bench that's going to just like wave the wand. Even Rui Hashimura, who we all admit should play more, is still not that answer. It's still not that answer 100%. And, and because when he did get time and he did score points, they've still lost. So there is no magical one-person answer that the Lakers have on that roster. It is going to be a tough road to go. I do think that this will be a harder second half of the season than it was last year. Darren says, Vando got toasted last night. You explain that. I can't. I can't last night. He he did look bad defensively, and that's supposed to be a specialty for a guy that shoots under 10% from three and score an average is less than three points a game. So I don't know. If he cannot guard defensively the way you need him to guard, why is he still in there? Why did you give him four years? We were questioning that at the time. Why did you give him four years? Also, when it comes down to the, the draft picks, I mean, you've got a guy in JHS, and thank you for the super chat, by the way, Darren, truly appreciated. Uh, you've got a guy in JHS and Maxwell Lewis, two guys that you don't play any because they are, you know that they're mistakes for you. Meanwhile, Keontae George, as Joe said last night, Keontae George, because I was listening to entirely, Keontae George in front and Triple J in the back, both are producing for their teams, plus Bodziemski, plus Trace Jackson Davis. Those guys were picked much later by Golden State, and those guys are contributing for a team in like ours. I can't, I can't explain why that the logic has escaped this team. But Magic Man, to have you close it out, my friend, it surely has. It surely has as well, Joe. Yes. Uh, And as I pull this up just before we head on out, because I think it's important to note here, if, if if people are clamoring for Max Christie to play more, and I don't I, mind that. I don't mind if he does, because at this point, when you're 19 and 21, 
Why not? I mean, sure. Skylar Mays played. Sure, but I, I would just, I would just point out here, the, it's obvious that from the stats that we're seeing here, is that it's illustrative that in the minutes he's played, it show and my gosh, uh, sixteen minutes per game, it he's actually in the eighty second percentile as far as effective defensive um shooting percentage so he does get cooked at times but he's he's very very stout on the perimeter gerald like he uh, outside again as you can see outside of lebron and ad there's christie is the one there in kind of the 80th percentile of effective field goal percentage defensively um but when I go and, and that's not the saying game, much, and that's I say not Max got bur- how many times did I say on playback in the past three weeks, Max got burned again? Max yeah. got burned again. Yeah. Okay. So I'm seeing the eye test shows me that people are taken to the hole or taking them on floaters. He's not going to be, he, yeah. He's not he's, good defending, defending drives not, or layups or, no, or floaters. No, that's right. That, but he is, he is a very good and has shown. He has, and we've said it before, he has the outlines of a good player. It's just like Gerald's saying, 21 years old, only averaging 16 minutes a game. Um, I don't think Ham is scheming him uh, into a definitive, effective defensive role, even though he's shown the chops on the perimeter that he's got the length and he's got the foot speed to hang when somebody's not driving at him or trying to bully him and again Gerald that goes back to ham that goes back to ham and the coaching staff not putting Christie in positions to succeed and I said it before I'll say it again I think to me he's he reminds me of kind of like a workout warrior like he he looks like he's strong got a little bit of meat to him but like you said, Gerald, can't put in putbacks, uh, can't make basic bounce passes. Uh, the fundamentals are poor with Max Christie. That's the fundamentals are poor. You're on mute, okay. Gerald. Yeah, I, no worries. Yeah, got it. Yeah, he, yeah. His yeah. fundamentals are poor, Gerald. And again, like but people can point to us and say, "Well, Sean and Gerald, you know, there, there is a." There's a systemic lack of fundamental uh, prowess in the NBA. Fair enough. We agree with you. That being said, if you don't have the basics, if you don't have the blueprint for the foundations and the fundamentals of how to be effective, then it doesn't matter how athletic you are or what other skills you bring to the table. If your fundamentals suck, you cannot build out from that. Your fundamentals have to be sound. Tell you what, though, it is great to have you here, my friend. I truly appreciate and value your insight, and I truly appreciate everyone out there supporting us. Great morning. Look, when we have you here, it is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. Thanks so much again for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. Uh, we'll be on tomorrow. Uh, I may have more than one show lined up. Uh, I know Laker Tom wants to go on tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Uh, as far as the makeup for today. And 
leaving me hanging me dry for today. I know Jamie had a last minute thing as well. So he said he will try to come on during the week. Uh, I also want to get Braxton Reynolds on. Braxton Reynolds reached out to me. He's a writer that covers the OKC Thunder. Uh, so I'm trying to work it out for tomorrow. So it'll probably be a busy day for me tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to great conversations with both those guys. Uh, I know that everybody loves and hates Laker Tom the way they love and hate Darvin Ham. So we'll see what happens with Laker Tom's latest uh, observations. But any last thoughts, my friend, before we head on out? Laker, Laker Tom is one of my good friends. And I will say this. If I had a choice as a Laker fan to have Darvin Ham as a head coach or Tom Wong, I would choose Tom every day and twice on Sunday because I know Tom. Can I choose give, other? <laughs> I know at least for Tom, he'd be willing to give everybody, including LeBron, an ass chewing if he thought they deserved it. And that's more than I can say about Darvin Ham, who really, I mean, does his voice ever get above mumbling Gerald on the court? Uh, I don't, be honest, I don't know. I, I, thank you, Sean. Well, um, well, not only that, Gerald, I've, I've also noticed something else. When he's got his hands in his pockets, he's... This season, more than the last, he's speaking under his breath. And I'm a pretty good lip reader, but I haven't been able to really make out what he's saying. But he's talking to himself more and more now, which is also troubling. Darren, because you, should, you should be able to have an internal dialogue without yes. anybody seeing what you're thinking. Darren, I'll just say this about Laker Tom. He has said a lot of things about me. To me off air and on air uh but yet he's still my friend and uh i still have nothing but love for laker tom no matter how we crazy he tom. gets no matter how many times he calls me stupid no matter how many times he calls me dumb or anything like that you know over the course of the years and our many arguments you've heard on this show uh he is still my friend uh you know he's got an awesome family I know he's got uh, some things that he needs to take care of in his life, but yes, he'll be back tomorrow night and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Sometimes I dread it, but you know what? Tonight, uh, tomorrow night, I look forward to hearing his thoughts. In fact, you guys out there like it. You guys love the contrarian attitude at times. You love his, he does things to troll you as far as he cannot seriously put out all those crazy laker trade proposals and believe every single one of them sometimes you know he just does the stuff to troll everyone out there just just put that in mind be that in mind although the draymond green thing still blows me away that yeah that that one was just and uh gerald as we uh, depart for the day uh just another shout out to kurt affair kurt you are the most hilarious mod on the internet yeah. by far there is yes. no one that comes close second to you, sir. And search is awesome as always. Again, uh, you know, search, covering search everything is, for all search these. Search is search. We yes, know sir. what search is. Search is like search is like steak and potatoes. It's yes. always good. You always know what you're getting with search. Darren said that's answering the question and avoiding at the same time. Special. You, you, Darren, you know you have one of those friends as well that you just can't figure out why he's your friend. 
yet he's your friend. <laughs> that is Laker Tom indeed. I just can't figure out why, but you know what? I got nothing but love from Laker Tom, regardless, no matter how many times you choose. I just worry, Magic Man, as we head on out here, that I don't want to get too mad at him. Sometimes I, I just really, you really get lost in what he says as far as the, the junk he throws out sometimes. And I really worry about him and his health of ours getting so upset. He's going to just on the, on the air sometimes. Well, L- Laker, Laker Tom is the, the first of every fan in any fan base who, who says the following, John, I do not like close games anymore. I would rather have a blowout. Just Lakers get blown out. Or the Lakers blow out the other team. I cannot stand close games. And he's right. For the exact reason you said, Gerald, Tom is the epitome of passion, energy, and frustration as far as the Lakers fan is concerned. And I agree with you. At times, I worry that Tom's ticker is uh, going to tick out uh, depending on whether or not he agrees with the call or uh, snaps at what he sees. But I agree with you. Darren, uh, last question before we go. Um, I know, Derek, you just turned tuned in. Derek, great to have you here on Facebook. Truly appreciate it. Like and follow. Please go ahead and check out our entire conversation if you can uh, and rewind this if you can. Uh, do you guys think the Lakers are in trouble? Uh, the one-word answer for me is yes, I do. Be honest with you. I've been watching them now for many years, and – this season, with again, as I said it before a few minutes ago, with the uh, lack of assets that the Lakers have compared to last year because they had that Russell Westbrook contract, it is not as desirable out there. The Lakers just logistically, and the fact they have one less first-round pick, they logistically cannot trade as well or do not have as many assets to trade like they once did this time last season. So, yes, I do think the Lakers are in trouble this season. Your thoughts, Magic Man, before we head on out? Yeah, great. Uh, by the way, Derek, great, great question. Thank you. I hope hopefully you, you're a sub for us. Um, I would say on the word scale, I would go 7 out of 10 right now. So, yeah, I put it on the screen right now, Derek. Yeah, for Derek right there. So, yeah, truly seven, appreciate it. Yeah. So, so as far as worried is concerned, very worried. Uh, almost, we're like at the tipping point. We're borderline, Gerald, between very worried, concerned, and then beyond concerned is disastrous, like dismayed. Like that That would be DEFCON 1. I think we're at DEFCON 3 right now. Um, so that's very concerning. It's almost the, like the nuclear reactor is really making a lot of noise, Gerald. Really make him a lot of noise. It is, my friend. It is indeed. And with tomorrow being the now the 15th, where a lot more players become eligible for trades, trade season is going to heat up indeed. Remember, February 8th is the trade deadline. We'll have our trade deadline special then. Magic Man, always great to have you on, my friend. Wishing you continued best. Uh, Hopefully you'll be with me tomorrow for our coverage of the Lakers. Tomorrow's game against the OKC Thunder. We'll see how that pain goes, but it is back at the Lakers. We'll see how it is, but looking forward to hearing your thoughts out there, Magic Man, and also everyone's thoughts out there. Truly appreciate the best Lakers chat room that's out there. 
It is the Lakers fast break. Please like and subscribe to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the Lakers fast break. So for Magic Man, Sean Grice, it's me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks again for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. It's Lakers weekend, and hopefully your Lakers weekend will be a lot better after listening and watching us right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.